Broad has his man, and it is 600 for Stuart Broad. He joins Jimmy Anderson in an elite club. This is the Unplayable Podcast, brought to you by Qantas, the spirit of Australia, and we've just seen day one of the fourth Ashes Test. We're here at Old Trafford in Manchester. England won the toss and sent Australia in once again, the third time in a row that's happened. And while it looked like great batting conditions for the whole day, Australia will probably be not as happy with where they finished. My name is Josh Honefinger. I'm joined, as always, by Louis Cameron. And Louis, how did you see day one here in Manchester? Yeah, well, you mentioned that Australia might not be that happy with how they've gone today. It's really hard to say whether they would be or they wouldn't be. Like, they... It kind of eight for two nine nine at the end of it. We got how many eighty three overs? So seven short on the uh, well, they should have got in, but that's another discussion. But <laughs> I think even Stuart Broad just at the press conference just now, there was a sense of he's not really sure if they've done well or not because we don't really know. It's the classic. We need to see both teams bat on it before we make a judgment, uh, and maybe we'll see both teams bat on it before we make a judgment if they're doing that. You well, that's fair. Very diplomatic of you. So let's jump into the scores after a week of rain. We actually had sunny skies, or blue skies for all of today. Australia finished on 8 for 299. Usman Khawaja went early. Stuart Broad got him LBW for his 599th test wicket. Then David Warner and Marnus Labuschagne put on a little partnership until Warner was out for 32. It was Steve Smith and Marnus Labuschagne who were then looking really good. They weren't really troubled too much. And Steve Smith's wicket came out of nowhere. LBW to Mark Wood for 41, and that sort of changed things a little bit. Manus Labuschagne and Travis Head, however, put on a good partnership and Australia lost two quick ones. Either side of T, that set Australia back a little bit. Mitch Marsh and Cameron Green, the two all-rounders, were batting together. They looked all right for a bit, but Chris Roggs got both of them as well, and in no time at all, Australia had lost seven wickets. Alex Carey and Mitchell Stark then put on a 40-run stand at the end of the day, but Carey fell just before the close, about nine minutes before Stumps. And so it leaves England probably marginally ahead. Chris Wokes the best with four for 52. Stuart Broad did get his 600th test wicket in there as well. Lou, where do we start wrapping up today? Well, I think probably the, I guess the most interesting part was, you know, the, the reason we say Australia might not be that happy is because, you know, you look at that top order and from three to six, 40, uh, th- you know, they've all made between 41 and 51. I'm told by SEN's Andrew Sampson that's the first time that's happened where three to six have made between 41 and 51. Very obscure stat. Wow. There were a lot of starts and then they kind of threw it away. Australia were two down at lunchtime and they were scoring at four and over. So from that position, you'd really think that a 400 plus total is, is what they need. You kind of look at the history of this ground. Uh, no team has made uh, under 350 in their first innings and gone on to win the game. So, no, you know, by the same token, no team has ever won the toss and bowled first here uh, and won a test. So some interesting stats. You can kind of make the stats do whatever you want. Interesting, uh, so I say this century that no team has uh, made under 350 and won. At the 97 Ashes, Australia made 235 in the first innings of the test and won. Uh, and then the 93 Ashes, a game famous for the gutting ball, of course, where Shane Warne bowled his first ball on English soil. They only made 289 and they won the game. Uh, there is some precedent there. Um, but, yeah, we just kind of don't know. There's, I mean, there's so much with the weather here, right? Like whether um, it's going to rain. It looks like it's going to rain a lot on Saturday. The forecast doesn't look great for Sunday or Friday either. That's day five and three for those playing along at home. And 
so that, that'll be interesting and we just don't know how it's going to kind of play out in that regard. It was another seesawing day. There are two crucial moments that I've marked down. Australia were three for 183 at one stage before losing wickets either side of T. That was Labuschagne and Head. They lost two for six there. And then Australia were five for 254. Then they lost two wickets in and over. Chris Wokes got both the set batters, Mitch Marsh and Cameron Green. And it was, as we've seen all through the series, one of those days where just as Australia looked to be getting ahead of the game, England roared back into it. And that was a massive one with how Green and Marsh were batting in that position because you had a really interesting kind of moment there. Green and Marsh, both Western Australian all-rounders, both massive human beings. <laughs> like Mitch Marsh is 193 centimetres. Mitch, uh, Cameron Green, he's listed at 198, but I think he's bigger, Josh. He just kind of like just has this air yeah. like he... He's got this kind of gorilla vibe about him. And, He's got to be pushing to get that into two metres, surely. Well, 100%. And we know the joke, you know, two metres and safety and the great cricketer guys have done a great job with all that. Um, but it didn't look all that safe with the way Cameron Green was batting. He looks scratchy. He's looked scratchy all series, hasn't he? And it, to his credit, he's kind of fought on. Um, you know, he had the hamstring injury. He missed the third test. Uh, but he keeps fighting, keeps fighting. I thought he actually did a really good job against Stuart Broad. He kind of got his tail up. He was nipping balls away from him at will. Uh, and he wasn't kind of fishing with his bat. Uh, he wasn't trying to. He wasn't kind of going after them. And that's when you, you get the edge. He was playing the line, allowing himself to uh, for the ball to go past the outside edge. But then when he'd get a half volley or a short ball, he he couldn't quite mm. put it away. And he didn't look that confident against spin. At the other end, you had Mitch Marsh absolutely braining them, and he flew to fifty one. You know, just under a runner ball. He has just looked incredible since he came in in that third test. Um, so it kind of looked like Mitch was kind of helping him along a little bit and I was kind of doing some research. I thought, well, this is really interesting. These are obviously guys who are both from WA. They would have played a lot of cricket together. They've only played four first-class games uh, for Western Australia together. Which, mm, that's crazy. Yeah, it's really interesting. So, and, and they have had a lot of teams where they've played um, you know, two or three all-rounders and maybe their keeper at eight. I think Inglis has been at eight uh, in the past. So not an altogether unfamiliar scenario for the two of them, although they do normally bat a bit higher for WA. Uh, that kind of looked like that might turn the game around for Australia. But as you said, just when you think it's going one way in this series, it goes the other. Chris Wokes is fantastic today. I think I thought he bowled even better today than he did in the third test. OK, well, let's get to Wokes in a bit perhaps. But uh, I want to get into our moment of the day brought to you by Qantas. Spirit of Australia, official airline of the Australian cricket team and proudly representing Australia on the world stage, flying to more than 95 destinations around the globe. However, I have a bad feeling it might be going the way of England today. Yeah, how did you know? Uh, Stuart Broad, 600th wicket. It's hard to go past that. He was joking in the press conference just now that none of his milestone wickets are ever caught at first slip. They're all caught at long on or (laughs) caught at deep cover. This, you know, it's not quite as, you know, it's not an embarrassing dismissal for a fast bowler, but because it was part of a plan. So the moment of the day, uh, they bowled, they pitched up quite a lot more to uh, Travis Head um, than they have all series. And he'd kind of gotten away from a little bit, 48 off 65. And then just after T, they changed tack a little bit. They went back to the short ball plan that they'd originally tried against him. The one that's, you know, been, that they've kind of kept turning to against Head because they really do fear him when they do pitch the ball up. Uh, and it worked almost immediately after T, uh, went straight down fine legs throat. Yeah, actually there was a clip came up in the changing room of like my 100th, 200th, 300th. I think there was caught long on, caught mid on, caught mid wicket. So it's not the old classical um, dismissal. So, um, you know, the good thing is it was caught by our leading catcher ever at Joe Root. So I can tell my grandkids it was first slip. <laughs> good catch by Root too, wasn't it? He was running in hard and had to catch a pretty 
low down to the ground as well. Exactly right. And catching in this series hasn't always been a sure thing for, for England. So, uh, you know, that was that was a fantastic moment. And it's hard not to like Stuart Broad. Although I imagine a lot of people who listen to this podcast probably don't. I know Australian fans don't always love him, but uh, I'm a big fan of him. Yes, you certainly are. And you've made that well known on this podcast mm-hmm. as well. A bit of respect maybe for your fellow paceman, I suppose. But James Anderson, well, I want to talk about paceman as well. James Anderson... He's only taken three wickets in this series. Three for 268 are his figures, in fact. He's 12 away from 700. This is his home ground. He's bowling from the James Anderson end here. Um, But he's had a tough series, hasn't he? And he's maybe not looked quite on the mark. I mean, you said earlier in the series he wasn't bowling badly. He just maybe wasn't getting the luck that he normally does. What did you think of his day today? I found it really interesting what Usman Khawaja just said in the lead-in to this test. He was kind of comparing what it's like to face Stuart Broad and what it's like to face Jimmy Anderson. And he said the thing... He was kind of trying to show the right respect for Jimmy Anderson by saying he is a really hard bowler to face, but he was almost saying like he was easier because he was too perfect and that when you're watching him as a left-hander from over the wicket and you see that stock ball he bowls to the left-hander, it's got the seam perfectly pointed towards first slip every time and it just curves away beautiful, like absolute textbook stuff. And then the in-swinger, you know, while hard to read, once you see the seam, these really good batters, they see the seam, they see it come out of hand. Uh, and they can kind of play it that way. Whereas with Broad, it comes, you know, scrambled seam. He comes from wide of the crease. Uh, he might not be quite as consistent. And everything's just a bit messier and a bit more chaotic. And I think that's really worked for Stuart Broad in this series. It's worked for test bowlers in general in the last probably five, ten years. They don't try and swing the ball quite as much. Jimmy Anderson's 40 years old. Yes, he's probably lost a, a tiny bit of the zip, and that's showing in the... Um, the lack of wickets in this series but he is keeping the run rate down and I think that's really important I know Ben Stokes said that in the lead into this test that he doesn't mind you know as long as he's kind of going at two and you look at his economy rate today it was mm, two and a half again yeah. um, if you're going at two and a half runs and over against really good uh, you know test batters uh, like Australia have a lot of them uh, you're probably doing a pretty good job and I'd suggest that you've probably been pretty unlucky yeah, he doesn't have that exi- you know same zip. Maybe he's not moving the ball, but maybe the conditions also haven't been in his favour a whole lot. And he's you know he's not the tallest guy in the world. Um, and we keep saying he's nearly forty-one years old. So um, I-, I think he's actually done a really good job in this series for him. And you know it's not the worst thing in the world if you've just got a guy who's a bit of a banker who you know can just hold up an end. There was also a moment late in the day where Alex Carey began turning down singles with Mitchell Stark at the other end, which. Raised a few question marks. Markwood was bowling fast, as he did last week. Maybe not quite as fast at Headingley. But it just raised the question with such a long batting lineup that Australia had. Have they lost a bit of faith in their tail, perhaps, even after the um, success at Edgebast in the first test? I think 100%. It has shown that they've lost a bit of faith. Just only for Mark Wood. That's the only okay, one I think yep. they're doing it for. Um, and I thought it was, yeah, I thought it was really interesting that Alex Carey did that. Um yeah, that's clearly something they've discussed in the lead into that mm. because, you know, Mitchell Stark is an accomplished batter. He averages over 20 in test cricket with the bat. Um, I was surprised. I thought he was, you know, capable of handling wood, especially in this scenario. Like, you're right, he's not bowling quite as quick. Yep, he's still a handful. But clearly the fact that he took six for 20 or he led a, a kind of first innings uh, route of Australia um, where they lost six for 20 mm. um, with their tail which I should point out included Alex Carey, um, <laughs> although you know he was probably slogging by that point. Um, but that's clearly something they've discussed in the lead-in, and it'll be interesting to kind of play, see that one play out for the rest of the series if Wood can stay in the park. 
Well, I was really impressed personally with Mitchell Stark, how he did dig in. He faced 70 balls, which was actually the second most of any Aussie batter, despite having all that batting above him. He finished with 23 off 70 balls. And a quirky stat for you, Lou, he entered this match with an average of 134 here at Old Trafford, with two unbeaten half centuries in his previous matches here. So his average now at this ground is up to 150. So exciting stuff for the stats snuffies like myself who want Starkey to maybe get an average of 200 or so at this ground could happen could well happen to be ironic if a tailender was to kind of you know make the make the first hundred <laughs> in this uh, in this test given what Australia have done with their batting lineup Mitchell Marsh might consider himself a little unlucky today as you said he was creaming them earlier today he hit a one six and seven fours in his 60 ball knock but fell to an absolute screamer of a catch from Johnny Besto, who's had his troubles behind the stumps. But on this occasion, he just put out his left or his right glove, mm. and it's stuck. And uh, you have to see the replay of this on cricket.com.au. It's an absolute classic. Oh, that's a beauty. Now, has that been taken? It has. What a moment that is. A man that has been under immense pressure has taken a worldie of a catch. Brilliant from Bairstow. It was a cracking catch. All the more better because he'd hurt his hand. I can't remember if it was his left or his right now. I didn't quite put it down in my notes. But he uh, he was clearly in a lot of pain mm. and he's dropped a lot of catches in this series, let's be honest. And even earlier today. Exactly right. Well, not, not so much um, opportunities, but balls that were flying through to him from leaves or whatnot. He put a few down early in the day. He did, yeah. There was one kind of off the pad and, yeah, you're 100% right. So he just doesn't look like he's kind of gloving them all that well. That was a fantastic catch. It was a fantastic ball from Chris Wokes. They showed the replay on the TV. Angling in at probably middle, middle and leg. Marsh has played a uh, forward defence and it's just left, uh, just nipped away enough to take the outside edge. That's not much you can kind of Mm. do about that. Um, So excellent day from Chris Wokes. He was the pick of the bowlers, I thought. And Moen Ali as well, spinner. Australia didn't go with a spinner. England kept their faith with Moen Ali. He did get the big wicket of Marnus Labuschagne again for the second straight time. And do you think it's going to be one of those cases where Australia look back and say, oh, gee, I really wish we did pick a spinner? Yeah, I mean, excellent bowling from Moen. I thought he'd lost his way late in the day. We bowled a few full yeah, tosses yeah. to Mitch Marsh and he kind of got dragged after that. But in that spell, he was going quite well and just played on Marnus a little bit got him out LBW in a way that he was devastated by because he felt like finally he was into this series with um, with a bit of form and that, it, you know, a big 100 that he hasn't made in 21 innings now and might be there for the beckoning. But, look, I don't think it was like a massive ragger that kind of spun, like Stuart Broad's in the, in the press conference just now, that Australia might be thinking about that and, and that ball. Um, but, I, you know, it, it was an off-spinner that turned, was it like a, a – was there a puff of dust? No, I don't think there was. It's interesting Manus Labuschagne said that he thinks this track will spin less and less as the test goes on, which I've never heard of before, but he's played more test cricket than I have. So Yeah, well, why don't we listen to Manus Labuschagne's explanation of why that might be the case? It's going to be interesting to say this, but I think it's one of those wickets where I think because the wicket's been undercover for a few days, it didn't have that really rock hardness and the thatchiness of the grass is spinning. So I think once that wears off, I think the middle of the wicket's going to actually not spin so much. The ends will rough up, I think, eventually, um, if the weather stays good. But I think it's actually going to spin less as the game goes on from the, from the good part of the wicket. That's in my opinion. So that's an interesting take. I haven't heard that before. And Australia will be hoping it's the case, right, because they don't have Todd Murphy in this team. Mm. They've gone with Cameron Green to deepen the batting. Um, and, look, I think ultimately it'll be the right move. With the weather forecast, with the way England bat, their innings are generally quite short. 
Um, I think a spinner not named Nathan Lyon isn't going to have much of a role on this pitch. But, um, yeah, interesting because Moeen Ali, you know, he keeps chiming with important wickets in this series. It's a series that keeps on giving and day two and day three and day four is going to be just as good as day one, I'm sure. So make sure you join us on the Unplayable podcast brought to you by Qantas, the spirit of Australia, and we'll catch you all tomorrow. Tomorrow.